Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Pelicans podcast. I am Joe Cardosi alongside Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, we've got a fun one today, Jim. We, we are bringing in the new studio host of the Pelicans pre and post game and halftime show, Mr. Gus Cattengill. Yeah, I'm looking forward to working with Gus again. I, I think I had mentioned this in the past that he was the pregame, halftime and postgame radio show during the 2010-2011 season. So um, got to get some time on the on the air with him back then and always had a great time with Gus. One of the things that I really respect the most about him, and I'll tell a quick story to kind of in- set this say, up. Don't tell Gus you respect him. His head's going to grow too much, but <laughs> luckily he's um, not here yet. When, when I got here when I, full-time in terms of move, when the team moved to New Orleans in 2007 after it had been in Oklahoma City for two years, a lot of people, because I had never lived in New Orleans, I didn't know much about the sports local sports coverage scene, the radio scene, the TV people, really didn't know any of them because I had never lived here before. Um, a lot of people with within the Hornets that worked in the organization or people surrounding the team told me, you know, we have a lot of ground to cover. We have a lot of work to do in terms of the local radio stations do not cover the Hornets. They do not cover basketball. They spend as minimal amount of time as they can talking basketball. I remember the first couple of years I lived here, and even during the 07-08 season, there was a game where Chris Paul made a or maybe it might have been oh it might have been a year or two after that, but he made a game-winning shot in like February in a game, and I would turn on the radio um, to listen to Pelicans talk, and it was all about the NFL draft. Yeah, and there's I was an imposition like, to talk about basketball right, for a like, long time. I can't believe every sports station here, after like this exciting twenty-five foot th- three-point shot at the buzzer to beat Indiana goes in and everyone's talking about the NFL draft, which isn't even for another like two months. It's like, you can't tell me you can't take five minutes to talk about this amazing game. And yeah, but it's teams... mock draft 6.0. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. We have to talk about which long snappers might be available <laughs> right. in the seventh round of the draft. <laughs> yes. But anyways, to bring it back to Gus from the beginning, from day one, when I got here, people always said local sports radio doesn't talk basketball but there's one guy who always does. And we need to make sure that we bring him in as much as we can, because he's constantly supporting the idea that people should care about basketball in new Orleans. And that was Gus. So I remember back when he was on W with, with WWL that he seemed to be the one guy at that station that was constantly saying either while he was on the air or just in general, like we got to talk more basketball. We got to talk more Hornets people in the city are embracing the team. The the 0708 team was still to this day was one of the most popular, I think, sports teams that's been in in the city. Yeah, one of the most fun playoff runs. Right. I mean citywide. And so um that's one that was one of my first memories of Gus or things I've heard about Gus before I had even met him for the first time. 
So I always respected that part of it is that he's somebody that's always been on the side of like, Hey, everybody, we have two professional sports teams here, not just one. And that people, I, I do think over time, and I think I'm sure Gus has been part of this, that the basketball conversation has constantly, it's been a steady increase over the years. Um, there's been setbacks because of the team's lack of success. But I feel like right now we're at a point where there is a lot more discussion about the basketball team. And for me, from my standpoint of having lived here for 15 years, I th- that's really encouraging and that makes me feel really good that we've increased the amount of coverage and the interest in the team i think gus being a local guy helps that too because you know hearing that your city is not a basketball city or it cannot support two teams it it starts to sting you know and and you start to push back against Mm -hmm. it when i first met gus we were on a station that no longer exists uh anymore but we started the sports hangover over there and I wasn't familiar with him, but he wanted to talk basketball. He even wanted to talk a little Cubs baseball, which no one wanted to talk <laughs> about at the time, but he pushed it. Um, yeah. Gus, you know, is is a well-rounded sports guy. He's not just a football-centric dude, which a lot of people are very mm-hmm. one-dimensional when they cover sports here. Yep. And that became a big foundation of the show that we run. We wanted to have fun. We wanted it to be fast-moving. We wanted to talk all New Orleans sports, all New Orleans events. And so Gus has always banged the drum about Hornets slash Pelicans basketball. And we're so glad to have him in the fold here, actually, in-house, helping to talk basketball in a knowledgeable, fun way that I think people are really going to enjoy this season. Yeah, and I think we uh, had a really good conversation with him as well that you're about to hear. He um, told us some stories that I had never heard before about his background as a (laughs) mascot. That's definitely an entry-level position in terms of his role as a mascot. Yeah. Um, so it was just funny to hear some of the stories, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking basketball with him throughout the season, and I'm sure I'll be making some appearances and some cameos on Absolutely. the post-game show throughout the year. So happy to have Gus on board and, and excited about the season. Yep, and if Gus would have zigged when he should have zagged, he could still be a mascot, but instead he is with the Pelicans, and we are glad to have him. So let's sit down with our old friend and your new friend, Mr. Gus Kattengill. Joining us on the Pelicans podcast, you know him, you love him, and if you don't know him already, you're going to get to love him, Mr. Gus Kattengill. Gus, glad to have you in the studio again, man. It's good to be here, man, and obviously, as you just saw, we were sending Ty Graffinini a a welcome photo as he's on his way back from Chicago with the team. He's been uh, letting everyone know it's been 12 days since he's been home. He can't wait to get back from across the pond. No, man, it's great to be in here. Yeah, the man is tired. Graf needs some sleep uh, before the next game. So, so Gus, you know, we had the, the preseason game last night. Mm-hmm. Obviously a lot to talk about there. But for the people that don't know you, the poor, unfortunate fools, uh, introduce <laughs> yourself. You know, like, wh- what's your background? Who, who is Mr. Gus Kattengill? Real simple, the uh, the Cliff Notes version. Went to Brother Martin High School, so graduated there in 94. Went to Southern Miss, graduated in 98. Started at WWL in 1999. Worked there for nine years to 2009. In that time, uh, what did I not do? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you've had almost every job well, in radio. I mean, I could like. tell you I was the Saint sideline reporter. I could tell you I was morning drive show host. I could tell you I won Edward R. Murrow's, but let's be honest. Jim, Joe... I was the cool 95.7 mascot. Yeah. That's what I need to be remembered for. I was a giant 
nine foot inflatable crawfish for cool 95.7 which is your actual height by the way <laughs> not even remotely close uh named cool daddy and the reason i bring that up is because again all of those were tremendous accomplishments i produced for the great buddy de liberto yeah. i mean you know it's the station to work for out of college which you know neat. didn't get paid but i mean you know what i'm saying it's still it sounded good yeah um but nothing brought you back down to earth <laughs> Like having to put on the inflatable. We're talking like the old days, Jim. We're not talking like the new mascot inflatables. Uh-huh. You know, you remember Hugo, the right. Super Hugo, Air whatever. Hugo, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're like they weighed five pounds. Right, okay, right. so I'm roughly a buck ninety. Let's just call it there, right? We'll be fine with that. Um, I was one thirty five when I graduated college. Mm. So the battery pack was twenty five pounds. Wow, it's heavy. Yeah, and it's hot. In case you had noticed, would be involved. It's normally very hot in the months of the summer. I started in August thirteenth, wow. Friday, August thirteenth was my first day there. Do you know what I did on Friday, August thirteenth, my first day? Uh, probably had a heat stroke. Funny you should say that. <laughs> right across the parking lot from where we are is the baseball stadium. At the time, your New Orleans Zephyrs were having a game, and it was uh, the uh, the, uh, the Boudreaux. The new oh, tree. Yes, yes. yes, it was his birthday. Jim, you know what happens during mascot birthdays, don't you? There's a big party. There's with a all big the other party mascots. of other mascots yeah. that show up. Yes. So naturally, our promotions department goes, you know what would be a great idea? To have the cool daddy go out there <laughs> and do that. And guess who just started? And we all know, as you've now learned after being here for about two weeks, yeah. uh, seniority matters. Yes. So uh, um, I had to show up there for the 7 o'clock game sign autographs. I don't know how. I had this claw. It wasn't even a hand. They, like, taped a Sharpie to it. Mind you, we're outside the first base entrance. I'm, I mean, it's easily 140. Like, it probably, I could have sued. I mean, it's not healthy. Oh, for sure. Easily. Not only did I have to do that, but I had to do other things during the game. You know, in between the innings, you have to run the bases, Ooh. which, by the way, you can't run because that, I'm a crawfish, so there's no legs. It's, I pay to watch you run the bases <laughs> now without anything yeah. on. Can you tell this is like stayed in my brain? I mean, this, this is literally 1999. It's 2020. Yeah, I feel like this is the Rosetta yeah. Stone of you. It's awful. We're I mean, this was not code. probably the direction you guys thought the podcast was going. <laughs> but my point is, that's where I've come. So you want to know who I am? That's where I started. I've done a ton since. I met you, um, what, in uh, 2009. Yeah. yeah, it was 2009. Our first remote was the Super Bowl. That's right. You're New Orleans Saints going to Super Bowl. Me, Larry yeah. Holder, and you started the sports hangover. And the rest is really history. We've kind of done the show from a couple places. Currently on ESPN New Orleans. I forgot how long I've been here. Six, seven years. Yeah, I, don't know. I, know, flies, I know the man. show's been on for 12 years. It'll be 13 in January. And... Um, been doing this for 1999 cents, and uh, it, it's it's fun from the aspect of seeing how both of these franchises have kind of gone through success, the ups and downs, and the community, and, and really kind of the fact that you're still around. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I stuck around yeah. somehow against <laughs> everybody's wishes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Basically, I call it longevity. You just everyone else either quit and found real jobs, and we're just we're the only ones left. Yeah, I just I got gray, and I wear khaki pants now, yeah. so people think I'm a serious man. <laughs> you started from the bottom, now you're here, and now I know like I can a call lyric, you. Doesn't it started from the bottom? Oh, cool man. Daddy yeah. Gus Cattengill. Yeah. That's going to be your new Is nickname. Is that it? That's it. Cool I Daddy think. Gus. I don't know if you guys want to talk about the. The ball game last night? Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about the ball game. It is last the Pelicans night. podcast. <laughs> yes. It's not the uh, poor, unfortunate souls that were 
you know, mascots. No, man, it, it was fun last night. Yeah, I just thought, um, I mean, a lot of times you don't really know what you're going to get from preseason. It's kind of a mixed bag. A lot of times you have a lot of good, a lot of bad and in the middle. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw a preseason game, especially the opener, where so many guys played as well as they did. I mean, the list of things to talk about in terms of positives from last night was extremely long. I know we don't want to get too crazy with preseason and go overboard with the results, but let's <laughs> a little. Bit. Let's just dive right into it. Um, but yeah, I thought um, just across the board. I mean, the way Zion looked was great. The way the second unit looked was was excellent. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but the ball movement to me, I, it it seemed like you're watching a group of guys that have been playing together for a while, and at least for the short term, the last few weeks have been on the court together, have been working out together, have been practicing. They seemed like they were just playing at a different speed than the Bulls, and just had a lot better chemistry and cohesiveness so that was really impressive do, do you have like a bell sounder or something on ancient because ding ding I'll that add in. is ding, the ding. key well this is why jim is the man right? yes this is yes. why he's been around for yeah, a little bit of course that's a great observation jim because literally this morning at the gym well, i was trying not to die um i was having this conversation with a buddy of mine about you know he didn't get to see the game he's like what was you know key about it because obviously again the perception of this franchise it's incredible 12 months six months four months how much it's changed and where it's being viewed. And I know we're going to touch on that here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, right? Zion first game back in 518 days, which is incredible when you think about that. Yeah, that stat that. was crazy when it's you nuts. told me. It's nuts. I mean, it yeah. really is. So, naturally, the television's at the gym, the highlights last night, SVP. It's Zion's back. I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of had fun with it on the post-game show, and I said it to Ty Graffinini afterwards. I'm like, you know... 13 points in 15 minutes, perfect from the free throw line, five for five, four for six, four boards and assists. That's, that's great. That's not the storyline to me. I mean, in terms of the play of it, yes, the fact that he played was fine, but something I think a lot of people were worried about, I wouldn't say worried, but are interested in, is how he assimilates into what we saw last year because it's still fresh in our minds. We open our pregame with that. Highlights from last year. The last time we were in the arena was just magnificent, but we saw a team that had come together, believed under Willie Green, played for another. All right, so how is it going to work with Zion? And I just remember his first game when he came in that January. He just he gets his points off of others, and I think his first bucket was a miss, a put back mm-hmm. off of C.J. McCollum. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there you go. And I never felt he's not ball-centric or dominant it just kind of flows. I mean, we jokingly, yet giving props, played more Billy Hernan Gomez bites, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing. And now we go to what you just said, though. Dyson Daniels, Billy Hernan Gomez, Devontae Graham, those guys won the game yesterday. They put up 70 points, the starters and everybody else did in the first half. But we noticed and made note of it in the postgame, Devontae Graham said he was happy that the Bulls came back. They wanted to face adversity. Man, That's not what we have seen in this city when it comes to this team and this franchise. And it's because of what you just said. They should have looked crisp. They should have looked fluid. And it's because, Jim, it's the same roster. And it's what I was mentioning this morning to, to a buddy of mine that, you know, I legitimately think it's going to be the difference whether his team is going to be lower than six inside of six in the Western Conference standings or a top four seed. It's when the starters go get some water. It's when 
VI has a toe. It's when CJ has ankle soreness. We're going to rest him today. No one, as Todd said yesterday, is going to play 82 games more than likely. So what happens when those guys go? As you know sure. from covering the league, five on five in today's NBA, it's you're gonna you're gonna be able to match up for the most part. It's what happens when they sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy to look at the Lakers starting lineup or the T Wolves or the Grizzlies, but what happens when they go down? Think of the team that's the closest to Dynasty right now. It's the Golden State Warriors. When Steph Curry isn't playing, they got some dude named Poole that's dropping 40. Yeah. You know, and in the Warriors extend leads or shorten deficits when their bench comes in. And what we saw yesterday was that, and I think the main reason, Jim, is what you're bringing up. Those guys have seen tons of minutes. They've played together. There's no, I need to get a, a feel on how they are. And the easiest way that you can get fluidity is defense. And that's what we saw with Dyson Daniels. You know, he got 15 points eventually, but it was the block first. It was the charge first. So when you look at this team, maybe, maybe they should have looked like that. And yeah. I think that's what it was exciting. Yeah, I think you're right. You make a good point in terms of the national story about last night's game and just the broad view from maybe even people that don't follow the Pelicans closely is going to be about Zion. And I think rightfully so. When you have a player of his caliber and talent who's out as long as he is, he gets on the court after 500-plus days, like you said. He's blowing by people off the dribble. He's doing his second jump that we remember so well where he's getting rebounds. I mean, that stuff is the stuff – kind of thing that jumps off the page and jumps off the highlights when you're watching. But from the Pelicans team perspective and fans here, I mean, I think it was the the big take. One of the big takeaways was just, I mean, how many guys looked really good. I mean, even mm-hmm. among the players that you didn't mention, Herb comes out, makes a couple threes right off the bat. Right. Um, I love the fact that him, he and Najee started with three pointers to open the scoring because those guys have worked on that part of their game so much um jackson hayes finishing around the basket uh larry nance made a couple threes and was just did his usual great work so i mean jose was dishing extremely well just driving into Tenacious the paint dropping defense. off yeah. the ball to people for easy baskets i mean it was it was impressive the way that um one of the things that they mentioned during the tnt broadcast too which i th- might get into a little bit in a second um greg anthony said the Pelicans look like they're almost already in midseason form. The Bulls look like they showed up to play a preseason game. And I thought that was a very concise way to mm-hmm. explain the way that both teams looked. Well, think of the two things that we heard in this offseason, right? David Griffin, media day. This team has worked harder than he's seen any other team do. And, and again, he was part of the Cavs world championship teams. Mm-hmm. And he's been a part of a lot of different teams uh, in that. The other thing we heard, right, where Willie and, and other players – what was Larry Nance or somebody offered Herb Jones a vacation yeah, that, to leave? That was Larry, yep. <laughs> yeah. You, um, during Saints training camp, we would see Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, you know, at practice. They, they lived here. You guys mm-hmm. know that probably better than I do. Yeah, yep. Fred Vinson's been a busy man. Right, and that's my thing. So, again, you know, Jim, when you look at it, that that's what happens when you put in the work, you put in the, together. I, I think one of the things that stood out to me Watching that game, too, as I go back to Saturday's open practice where 6,500-plus fans were there, and they did a drill, and I was mentioning it to Shemit Dua, who does a great job covering the team here as well online, and I said, you know what's nuts? They're doing a drill where every single member of the Pelicans basketball team is shooting a corner three. They pass it around the arc, and then... Right wing, left wing, they're shooting threes. And it was like a 15-minute drill. This wasn't the guards doing it. This wasn't, 
hey, we're working Zion. Everybody is doing it. One of the highlights we played yesterday, Billy Hernan Gomez, three ball. I mean, I, Aaron Summers One of the greater passes of the game, right. too, to, to set up that play. Right. And a lot of unselfish basketball. Yeah, and that's my point, though, is that you can't win in today's NBA without the three ball. You, you can't. You look at the, right. the playoffs last year. One of the things that I was talking about on my talk show was how do we have, and I think even when you came on, I asked you, because you're really good at numbers and analytics, and I numbers hate me. <laughs> so I, I, I remember asking you, how is it that the eventual champion, more than likely would have played a game in the postseason that got absolutely hammered, lost by 20 points, lost by 25 mm -hmm. points. And it did. The Warriors got, got blown out. The Celtics got like The two teams in the finals had lost a game on their way to the finals and gotten blown out. There's only one reason, the three ball. The game in which the Milwaukee Bucks got eliminated, it was the three ball. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's the team that shoots the most threes that go in tends to win. And if you're not accepting that, you're going to have trouble. And conversely, I know it's a stat that you you always do the five things to know. Mm -hmm. How many times have you written, the Pels have to defend the three ball? That's a key thing. And that's something else that has stood out yesterday. Todd's losing it, saying, man, they can't miss a shot. They can't miss it up. But not many of those were three. Mm -hmm. And so it took a while for the Bulls to make their way back and eventually get the lead. And I think that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at that first half, the, the Pelicans' offense looked like they were on fire. They couldn't yep. miss. And you have to remember, there was no Trey Murphy, there was no Brandon Ingram, right. and they were still getting those numbers. When your leading scorer is Devontae Graham, who I think a lot of people may not have expected to be the leading scorer right. in a starting lineup, it, it, it points to what you're talking about, Gus. Unselfish basketball. You can tell everybody's been working on their game. I think it's going to be exciting going forward. I think that's one of the other things that you're going to see as it progresses because, you know, we're sitting here excited after game one. It was just game one, and you heard Zion say that after the game yesterday. It, he's, he's still getting used to it. I mean, you saw a couple of those turnovers when he was driving the ball. The legs are a little wobbly, you know. I mean, it, you got to get your win. So it, it's going to get better and to the point of not having those guys on. That, that's what makes it incredible is that you can play different kind of styles. We saw Zion bring the ball up the court, and it was slower. We saw them push the pace up, and Jackson Hayes and the hair flowing, and he's dunking, mm -hmm. and every, Todd's losing it, and I'm high-fiving. And <laughs> So you saw that. You saw them kind of play a defensive-minded you know, aspect of it. I, I just, again, I, I said this in the postgame. If you're a Pels fan, it was a good night. You probably still had, in a good way, that hangover from last season, and you didn't want that feeling to go away, right? You know, yeah. I mean, because that's what it stinks. You, you, you didn't want it to end. Mm -hmm. So you still had that, that, that sort of thirst of what it was like last year. And seeing that last night, while it didn't count in the win column, you saw the DNA of what you saw last year, if not better. And I think that's what's exciting about it. It's funny you talk about how excited we are and people are in the city after just the first preseason game. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to touch on from last night, too, was I was kind of going back and forth between the, the two broadcasts, and I was so impressed with how excited TNT was for the Pelicans. I mean, they honestly treated the Bulls a little bit like they were background actors in a, in a movie. And I feel like over the years, sometimes Daniel and I have ranted about this on this show about, you know, the national media is treating the Pelicans like they don't matter and that they're not even watching the games. Mm -hmm. Last night, the Pelicans were constantly praised 
and there was so much enthusiasm and optimism coming from even the pregame and the the studio host uh, Channing Fry basically said that they have a puncher's chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. Um, Greg Anthony was constantly praising them during the game, so it was cool just to hear um, about time, right? It, that it's not just us that's saying this. It's I do think that there are people nationally that maybe slightly, maybe a little bit more cautiously. Um, dipping their toes into this water than sure. we are, but are saying like, you know what, maybe this team can be really, really good. And obviously last night was just a preseason game. We always have to use that disclaimer, but I mean, there was nothing that happened during the game that would make you reduce your optimism or positivity about the squad at all. One of my most exciting moments watching that game, even though it was called goaltending was when Zion chased down that ball, mm-hmm. bounced it off the backboard. And it reminded me of Duke Zion. It reminded me of that defense, that yeah. speed is there, mm-hmm. the jump is there. How can you not get excited about this team? You just said it's something that you hadn't seen or, or, or had seen before, and I think that's just the key here, Jim. It's You're seeing some of the things that, that win your basketball games, playing defense and selfishness. And I, I think a, a, a true, honest desire to want to play together. And I thought, again, it's easy to – Saturday at the open practice, cut the bite for the show on Monday of Zion. I signed for kids. I played it. It was great. Yeah. You know, play, hey, it's great to be out here. Of course he is. I thought the most important thing he said was that C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance decided to stay, signing their extensions. Mm -hmm. Gus, it's easy to say you sign an extension, a couple of mil. Huh? Listen to what C.J. McCollum said about it. Then, and Larry Nance said about it, that there's a reason. And they thought it out, you know, speaking to family. Look, C.J. McCollum had options. And he's a guy that is respected, his leadership. There's some teams that would like to have that. But when you hear them specifically say why they want to be here, Jim, you've covered this team for a while. That's not what we're used to hearing. Right. And I guess we're going to the C word here, culture. And it's something that we've seen with the Florida Lee as to why they got to that point 2009. It just didn't happen. You went the two seasons of eight and eight, didn't do well. Oh, six was kind of, a, oh, it was, you know, interesting. Last year, I referenced 06 in this Pels season that just passed as similarities. You didn't have that expectation. It was a fun ride. And I think part of the fun ride was like, oh, oh, wow. The Saints were 10 and six in 2006. It's not like they won 13, 14 games and were blowing people away like they did in 2009. But it was house money. Yeah, I mean, you were just like, this Reggie guy is great. The Sabre yeah. turned out to be Reggie Bush. Hey, mm-hmm. Zion, we drafted him. You really haven't seen him the last couple of years. It might turn out to have been a couple of other guys, right? B.I. stepping up and being the team. C.J. McCollum, I think that trade is very Breeze-like, bringing that leadership that also holding feet to the fire. This is how we're going to play. This is how to be a professional. This is how to do that. And it's not just for one or two players. I think it's the organizational thing. It's it, it's true. You're out there at practice. This isn't, oh, they kind of look like they're having fun, hee-hawing, not taking it serious. They work when it's time to work, but they enjoy each other. And I think that helps keep you relaxed. I brought it up to Aaron on the show last week. You have expectations, legit expectations. I like hearing the vice president of basketball operations, the guy that runs it going, it's time for us to go prove it. Like, I like this. I like hearing the coach saying we're coming. I like hearing the general manager say, we're going to be a problem. I like hearing, I'm used to players saying that. Of course. I mean, you start the season with hope, which I'm going to get to in a second that I think is a big difference from previous hope. But when you think about it, they're not, not only not hiding from the expectation, that's now becoming an expectation. 
And what I mean by that is, hey, you may think I'm expecting you to win. It's different when, well, no, that's what's expected. Jim, how long have you done this? This I'm coming up on 17 years. Holy moly. All right. Yeah, he's <laughs> only 27. Many? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> he hired me when I was in fourth grade. Yeah, Amazing. crazy. Uh, yeah. You do look 27. What a prodigy I was. Um, <laughs> legitimately, how many times have you written a tip-off to the season primer? Hey, this is this is your 2000-whatever Pelicans team where it's selling hope. And what I mean by that is, you're hoping the draft pick that you just sure. got is either gonna be the franchise guy, mm -hmm. it's gonna bring the scoring that's needed, it's gonna, or you're writing the free agent pickup that the team got the big acquisition. Mm -hmm. I mean, guys, what were we a year ago, right before last year? Yeah, I'm not yeah. wrong, huh? Yeah, going into last season, this team tried to get Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, yep, veteran point guard to try to, right? I mean, they did. Mm -hmm. Like we're a year removed. So right. this year, I bet you, and I promised I read it, uh, the preseason prior, <laughs> but I bet it's completely different than what you've been before because you could legitimately list reasons why there's hope. Yeah. Whereas it's, hey, we're hoping this works. I'm hoping Anthony Davis stays. I'm hoping all this stuff. There, bing, 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 bing. You could list probably. I think the difference this year compared to any of the previous instances that you you allude to is what happened in the second half of last season, as well as the playoffs shows people that the guys that are here can accomplish something significant and they're all back. The, the problem with some of the previous playoff appearances, 2015 and 2018, 2018, you lose a couple starters from mm -hmm. that team. Rondo doesn't get re-signed. So you're always, you're always adjusting that the difference this year and what I'm so interested to watch this year is that there's such a minimal amount. Obviously they have to integrate Zion back into the mix. So far the signs on that are extremely positive and encouraging, but other than that, I mean, everything's in place here. You don't have to kind of guess about, like you said, Gus, they added these couple rookies. They added these free agents. How are they going to do? I mean, to be able to bring back the same group of guys from last season, I think that's the biggest difference this year. I don't think that there is really ne any need to sell anyone on everything and anything. I think fans are, have totally bought in and they understand the combination of those two things is where we're, we're why we're at where we are right now. That's the biggest difference as well. Look, I expect you to maybe know it cause you're in the games and doing it, but how one of the things we always joked about on the show Joe was how many general managers, head coaches, offensive, defensive coordinators they are in the Saints fan base, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I've loved to have seen the last couple of years? Maybe it's because we do it on the show a ton and we talk <laughs> a lot of Pell's basketball. Yeah. But I've always said this, and it was always a theory of mine when it wasn't covered a ton in the city, and it wasn't. And if there's a pat on the back, and you know, I like to pat myself on the back. Yeah, pat, pat. Um, there it is. Um, <laughs> is I've always thought that if you present it and give a, pe a reason for people to care and actually give the information, they will. They just don't know it. And you know, I, I've, I've never liked, as you said before, man, the, the perception and, and how people view this team now before. We're not a basketball town and all this other stuff. What's a football? Well, it's because you talk about it 12 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. If you talk about it, then people will get into it. And what have we seen, guys, even before the success last year? 
the Twitter spaces thing. That's incredible. 700 people sometimes on there. And yeah. I mean, doing those things. Um, all of the different outlets from Ollie to Jake to Schmidt to the paper to Will. I mean, like there's legit really good people that cover the team and know the game and analytics and express it. I've learned more basketball by the addition of these guys putting in their time and doing that for these outlets and doing it. And a lot of them, it's not their primary job. So I think that speaks volumes and why I get so adamant and angry when people say you're not a basketball town. Because, man, there's a lot that that's going on. And what we've seen now is there are a ton of general managers. There are a lot of head coaches, right? They are breaking down games on Twitter. No, they're bought in. By the minute. And that's something that we have not had. And it's great. And in previous seasons, I mean, I feel like you wouldn't have had casuals talking about Jose Alvarado. Or Herb Jones. Or some of these players that it, it usually took deeper basketball fans and quote-unquote basketball cities to know about these ancillary players. And why do people like them defense? Exactly. And it had nothing to do with dunks. Right. They're not first-round right. draft picks. They're not the guys that have the shoe deals. I mean, yeah. that, that, that that's the nitty-gritty. You. There it is. Well, Gus, we're looking for I, – I, of course, am looking forward to working with you all season long. We're going to be in the studio together all yeah. hunkered down like the good old days. <laughs> yeah. uh, so people should definitely tune in because as much as we do miss Daniel Salers and Jim, and we've talked about this, mm-hmm. we've shed some tears – uh, we're so happy to have you here, Gus, bringing a different energy to the show and a different format to the pre and post game show. Going to be a little more free flowing, a little more free form. We're going to tinker with the format a little bit, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we want people to get involved in every way possible. Twitter, call-ins, yeah, etc. For sure. We're going to do that. We're going to do a lot. I know, Jim, you like your polls and things like that. We're going to mm-hmm. incorporate that as well. MVP so far of the game. What's your headline after the game? Uh Different aspects of it. A lot of the things that I like to do with our show. I mean, I call it the sports hangover for a reason. We were normally hungover when we started this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, Because it was a a 10 a.m. show, right? So it it was was early. But it's it's a very simple kind of theory behind it. It was essentially, you're at a bar, you're at a restaurant. What do you do when the game is on? You talk about the game. It's on in the background. You're having beverages. You're talking about food, talking about life. I mean, that's kind of how I, I, I look at it, and I think that's our fans, right? I mean, you're you're getting to the game at 7. You probably have done everything I just said. You can't wait to have that beer because yes. you picked up the kid. You're probably hungry because you haven't had dinner, but you got to get to the seat for the tip-off. So those are all things that are included. So I, I want it to be lively. I want involvement on that because for the end of the day, I think that's what makes the NBA a little bit more special in certain elements. Then in the NFL and other things, it's the fast pace and it's the fan environment and it really does matter. And, and I think that's what I'm excited about as well. And as long as we don't, you know, short circuit something. Yes. Down the studio. You know, we'll try to keep the ship afloat. Yeah, and we'll be fine. And Jim will be joining us plenty of times in studio as well and uh, call it in because he's always an invaluable resource. And we want to hear from you. So all season long, follow him at GCAT underscore 17 on Twitter. Jim at Jim underscore Eichenhofer on Twitter. Myself at JCar504. Hey, I just hit 100 followers. Did I you? am a, uh, wow. I'm an influencer now. All right. <laughs> I think I'm going to start selling face care products. <laughs> Bye. So we're we're so glad to have you on the podcast, Gus. Thanks awesome. for stopping in. I know we, you're, you got a show to run, go do. Uh, so we're always happy to have you and looking forward to having you all season long. Tune in to the pre and post game show. Uh, This is the Pelicans podcast. We will be back three times a week. And until then, go Pels. 
Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.